We're going to lift just a few verses from verse 36. This evening we want to speak on the title to this end and for this cause. To this end and for this cause. John 18 verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is off the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out unto the Jews and saith unto him, I find in him no fault at all. Let's pray. Father, take your word and inscribe it on our hearts this evening. Take your word and imprint it upon our minds. And help us to see Christ alone, Jesus only. We pray, Father, tonight, if there's one that has come in who has not yet come to the cross and made your Son their own Lord and personal Savior, we pray tonight, Lord, that they would come. We pray tonight, Lord, they'd come to saving faith and knowledge in him. Lord, would you speak through your word by your Holy Spirit? And would you glorify your own precious name? Father, tonight, as our faces differ, so do our needs. And we pray, O God, that every need would be met tonight as we sit in your presence in this house. So glorify thine own self. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In John 18, from verses 36 to 38, our our scripture reading speaks of Pilate and the Lord Jesus Christ with a communication between themselves. And then my text is actually found, and actually my title is actually found in verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate asked the Lord Jesus, Art thou a king? Art thou a king? He later then goes on to ask him in verse 38, What is truth? Are you a king? Yes. Or are you a king? No. What is truth? Notice the Lord Jesus did not deny his kingship. He did not deny his kingship. He says in verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Notice here two things. Three times the Lord Jesus Christ says, my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom. So he was most certainly not denying that he was a king for he had a kingdom. And then secondly, we want to look at 
this world. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, he says. My kingdom is not from hence. It's not of this world. Notice here the word world is the word cosmos. And it can mean the, the stars and that which is put in order, the worlds. But it also can mean a masses of people. And it can also mean an orderly arrangement. It means an orderly arrangement not of this world's system. That's what Jesus meant. When you and I are living in this world's system, this world's system is a system of man's kingdom, a system of man's darkness. This world is a system where Christ says, this is not my world, but I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters, this is not his cosmos. In other words, this is not the world that he has set up, the, the monetary and the banking system, the world religions and all the false religions that they have, and all of the, the dangers and the, uh, the murders and all of the wickedness and the evil in the world and man's inhumanity to man, all of this world system of things are not of his kingdom. But I can tell you something. His kingdom is coming to this world in its fullness. It came in spirit and it's come in power. But in fullness, his kingdom is coming when Christ returns again. Let me look at this word, world, or cosmos again. In Matthew 5 and verse 14, for example, the Lord Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. He had said that I am the light of the world, speaking of himself. Then he says, Ye are the light of the world. Notice He says to his disciples, those who know him, follow him, love him, and serve him, he says, ye are the light of this cosmos. You're the light in the darkness. You're the light in all that this world is. Do you see all the political correctness and evil is good and good is evil and everything that's against God and his word and everything of man's system and origin and the things of wickedness and depravity and all that you see in this land, not only in our own nation, but around the nations of the world, Jesus says, you are the light of it. You and I are the light of the world. We're a light in this ordered system of man. And so we cannot, we cannot buy and we cannot sell the gospel or the word of God for the fanciful theories of this world system. You're the light of the world. And you and I are to be a light in a dark place. Notice in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26, the Lord Jesus says, For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Here Christ shows the value of you. Here Christ shows the value of you. You personally, he shows the value of the human soul. He shows the value in God's eyes of the human soul. Brother, sister, you're valuable in the eyes of your father because he sent heaven's best with the ransom to redeem you. Notice here he shows 
the value of the soul. For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world, the cosmos? What about all the banks? And we are hearing about all the the banking systems and because of the so-called coronavirus and whatever all these viruses are meant to be, and they're putting fear in people. I'll tell you what they're doing. They're trying to control people too. It's a controlling system. It's a new world order controlling system. That's for another night. Notice what they're doing here. The very, the banks are falling. I know what we're doing, they're trying to do. They're trying to bring it back into new world order because Britain is released from Brexit. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to draw us all back together. See how we need each other. That's another story for another night. And notice this. We have the whole banking system. The money and the banks, the bonds, the golds, the gold reserves. The silver, the jewels, the precious stones, the diamonds in the ground. We think of the oil that's under the ground that they fight over and they're, they're trying to place central banks. And those three, three countries now, I think it is, that don't have a central bank. And that's where the wars are at the minute. All of that which man is fighting for and all that man is fighting over and all that they're trying to grab and to grasp and all of those bonds and all of those banks and all of those jewels and all of that gold and all the riches and all the wealth of humanity that man can amass together and take it all and put it into one and offer it for the price of your soul. And Jesus says, one soul is worth more than all of it put together. How impossible is it for a man? How impossible is it for a woman to save themselves? Offering God good works, offering God alms and deeds, and offering God that which they think is pleasant from themselves, of not a bad person, of done me alms and my charities and my deeds. God, would you not accept me? And yet that soul is lost. And God said, it took more than this whole world system to redeem your soul. In fact, earth could not afford it. It had to come from outer space. It had to come from further afield. It came from heaven's glory. He came from heaven's glory. Christ died for you, friend. Can I ask you, what are you going to offer Christ? What could you offer him? Not day people say, oh, we're all going to walk in through the party gates. We'll talk about that in a minute, are we? Is the entrance to heaven the party gates? What would you offer? What will you give him? Jesus says, for what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen to 2 Corinthians, what Paul says in chapter 7 and verse 10. Notice, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. I'm going to say it again. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. There's three things to look at here. No guilt. And then there's no regrets. And for others, there's no escape. No guilt. No regrets. For others, there's no escape. Sorrow. 
godly sorrow or sorrow of this cosmos. Listen, sorrow is not repentance. Neither is it remorse, nor is remorse repentance either. There's many people and they're sorry for being caught. Think about it. They're sorry they got caught on. They hadn't repented. Remorse, feeling bad about something is not biblical repentance. And yet sorrow and repentance or remorse is all part and parcel of a proof of repentance. Self-condemnation, listen, self-loathing is not repentance. I hate myself for what I've done and then go do it again. External reformation is not repentance. I'll, I'll, I'll clean up my life before I come to Jesus. I'll clean up my life before I decide I want to get saved. Friend, you can't come to Jesus and you can't decide that you're going to get saved unless the Holy Ghost draws you. So if he's drawing you tonight, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Notice this too. All of these things may well accompany repentance, but repentance is a turning from sin to holiness. It's a change of heart and it's a change of mind. It's a change of views and feelings and purposes which results in a changed life. When a man and a woman truly are given the gift of Holy Ghost repentance, their life changes. Their life changes. Their thinking changes. Their desires change. Their love changes for they love Christ and not the world. Godly sorrow enters the heart to enable them to walk after Christ where others who are just feeling sorry for things or, or others who are uh, having some sort of worldly sorrow, they, 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 they may be sorry, but they don't change. They don't change. Repentance is a turning from this world. And a turning to God. Repentance is why living in this world, we are living in the Word. I want you to get this. Repentance is why you're living in this world, this cosmos, this world system of things, why we're still buying and selling because it's what it is, and why we're still living among the ungodly, and why all this, these things are going on. We may be living in this world, but we're living in the Word. Repentance is living according to that word in spite of the world that's out here. A change of life. Brothers and sisters, I remember, and I'll never forget, and I'm sure you're the same, I hope you're the same, the day and the hour when Christ came into your life and saved you. You're never the same again. You can never be the same again. Godly sorrow working in us, but not sadness produced by us. Repentance is godly sorrow working in us, but not sadness produced by us. So no guilt, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. You have no guilt left, he has paid your debt. You have no, you have no guilt left because he said it's paid in full. You're saved, you're blood washed, you're blood bought. There's no guilt left. Godly sorrow worketh repentance 
to salvation. No regrets, not to be repented of. In other words, when a man and a woman truly get saved, I'm not talking about a man and a woman saying that they wanted to try this Jesus thing. That's not salvation. When a man and a woman truly encounter Christ, when a man and a woman truly born again of the Spirit, when they're born again of the Holy Ghost, when a man and a woman realize they're a sinner in need of a Savior, and Christ is that only Savior, and they realize without Him, they'll go to hell. That man and that woman, when they get saved, they have nothing left to be sorrowed for. That man and woman have no regrets. I can tell you, I've seen many people come to the Lord and fall away. And I understand there's, there's genuine people who have loved the Lord and things have happened, have grown cold and fell away. But I can tell you, a true child of God, a true blood-washed, blood-bought child of God, they're never sorry that they ever came to Christ. Thirdly is no escape. No guilt, no regrets, no escape. But the sorrow of the world, there it is, worketh death. Sorrow of this cosmos. It's working in the heart. Is this life working in your heart? Is this world Calling your heart? Is the things of this world and the lusts of this world and the lusts of the flesh, is that what your heart holds? Is that what you want? Because that works death. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. The sorrow of the world, this cosmos, worketh death. Listen, those who repent are saved. But the impenitent will perish. Listen to Thomas Fuller. You cannot repent too soon because you do not know how soon it may be too late. You cannot repent too soon for you do not know how soon it may be too late. If I had a pound coin for the amount of people I've seen go into eternity. And them saying, I'll wait a while, I'll wait a while, I'll wait a while. I'm telling you, I would be a lot better off in my pocket today. Family members. Buried three of them last year, myself. Not one of them accepted Christ. And I had to take a funeral. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus, is this cosmos. It's not this system. Well, I tell you, brothers and sisters, his kingdom is coming into this earth. In John 18 and verse 36, he says, My kingdom is not from hence. It's not from this place. It's from heaven. And it's coming to earth. And notice... Augustine said these words. Earthly kingdoms are based upon force, pride, the love of human praise, the desire for domination, and self-interest. And that's what you see in this world today. 
And if it's not someone trying to figure out with their political correctness one side, shape, shape or form or another, it's all about me. It's all about me. And man's kingdoms are all about him. Brothers and sisters, while Christ's heavenly kingdom would be based on love, on sacrifice, humility and righteousness, you're ready. The entrance to the kingdom of God isn't through pearly gates. The entrance of the kingdom of God is not through pearly gates. The entrance to the kingdom of God is by the cross. It's by the blood of the Lamb. You want to enter the kingdom of God? You want to go into God's glory should you pass away or should he come? You want to enter into his kingdom? The only way you can come is by the way of the cross. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What he has done on the cross, what he's accomplished on the cross, and what he has finished on the cross. John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress writer, I'm sure we've all heard his name. John Bunyan was once asked a question about heaven and John Bunyan didn't know how to answer it. And it was said that John Bunyan turned and said to the person that had asked him about heaven and the question that he couldn't answer, he says, because the matter is not revealed in the scriptures, I cannot answer. And he thereupon advised the inquirer, go live a holy life and see. We've sang about it. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory and amen and amen and amen to that. And our minds can try and compute and we can think of streets of gold and pearly gates. Friends, that's only for an idea of our, our, our minds. Our minds can't comprehend what God's kingdom is going to be like. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man, the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. We cannot comprehend it. We cannot understand it. But we know the kingdom is coming. And should we be called, or should Christ come, the saved will enter the kingdom of God. Ezekiel Hopkins, he says, Where the unveiled glories of deity shall beat full upon us, and we shall forever, pardon me, and we forever sun ourselves in the smiles of God. Sounds nice, doesn't it? That we'll sun ourselves in the smiles of God. Sounds beautiful. But I think that's a trifle for what God's kingdom will be like for the believer. The kingdom of Christ is not of this cosmos or this world, but it is certainly coming to its fullness and in its fullness to the earth. Three things we'll look at quickly and briefly. First of all, the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want to turn and you want to listen, in Revelation chapter 12, although Jesus has died, he's born, died, buried, and risen again, ascended into glory. Revelation 12 speaks of a woman clothed with the sun, the moon at her feet. Now listen, brothers and sisters, 
uh, this woman's carried off in the wilderness. That's scattered house of Israel. But where did Christ come from? He came from Israel. And the baby that's mentioned there is the man child Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I notice this, Revelation 12 and 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him. Overcame who? The accuser. The devil. By the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Here John is seen in a vision, is given a vision of Christ that came from the house of Judah, from the, uh, the family or the line of David. And here he came and he bled and he died. And how was the, the accuser of the brethren or the devil cast down? He was trampled under the feet of Christ at Calvary. Jesus is the victor. And now Christ is in glory. And the story's being played out. And Israel are scattered to the west in the wilderness. And this same one is coming back again for his own. Notice here, if you want to look at uh, Revelation 19 with me. Revelation 19. A few verses, just verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Notice the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Pilate is before Jesus. We always say Jesus is before Pilate because he's the prisoner. No, no. Pilate was before Jesus. Pilate was before Jesus. Art thou a king then, he says. Thou sayest I'm a king. You know, the, the angel says in Luke chapter 2, verses 31 to 33, if you'd like to turn with me, Luke chapter 2, please. Pardon me, Luke chapter 1. Pardon me. Verse 31. For behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Notice, a literal throne. I'm going to ask you, has David taken up that throne there yet? Let me go on the next verse. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Is he sitting on the throne of David, ruling over the house of Jacob yet? He hasn't done it yet. He's coming again to do it. He's coming again to rule from the throne of David. Of David over the house of Jacob. Notice here, 
a literal throne. A literal throne. A literal kingdom over a literal people by a literal Christ. And he's coming in the clouds visibly, physically, and literally. He's coming, brothers and sisters. He stands there with Pilate, and Pilate and he are talking. And Jesus says in John 18 and verse 36, John 18, verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. And you see what the scriptures are telling us tonight? That when we look around us and we see all that's going on, when we see the the, the kingdoms against kingdoms and all the depravity and the wickedness and the evil and the barbarity. When we see all of these lobbyist groups all against the word of God, when we see them gathering strength, they think they're on the winning team. But I can tell you, I've read the back of the book. Jesus wins. Jesus has won and he's coming again. And notice here, he says in verse 37 to Pilate, to this end was I born. And for this cause. Now, something we must look at here. Pilate says unto him, Art thou a king then? You see the way it is written here? It's hard to really get the full grasp of it, but what Pilate is saying, it's emphatic in the original text. Art thou a king? Art thou is emphatic. It's also sarcastic in the original text. It's emphatic and it's sarcastic. The question that Pilate was asking the Lord Jesus Christ was one of mockery and sarcasm. You see, here's Peter who has denied him. Here's Judas who has betrayed him. Here's his disciples who have run away and left him. Here are the Jews who are crying out against him. Here's Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest and his son-in-law, who are looking for the death of him. And now here are the praetorium guards who have arrested him. And here he is, one lowly and lonely figure standing before Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate says, as he looks at him, Art thou a king then? That's the way it reads. We can read it. Art thou a king then? It's not the way it reads. He looks at him with disdain. Art thou a king? You? You, a king, look at you. Look at you. I die, king. Brothers and sisters, friends, this king, this king of kings, allowed them to crucify him. He's my king. He's my king. The sarcasm of Pilate to Christ. He says, Art thou a king? Christ's reply To this end was I born. He was born to witness of the truth. In other words, in a world where there were different religions, 
we had the Eastern mystical religions, we had the Greek gods, and we had the Roman gods, and we had all of the different religions of, uh, that were around different parts of the world. We had Judaism, and all of these things that were there, and every one of them failed to reach the mark because none of them were true religions. Not one of them. Christ stands before him and he says, To this end was I born. Did you hear the truth? And do you know who's going to come to me, he said? Those who are of the truth. Who hear the truth. Here's the truth. All that the prophets have spoken speak of me. All of it. Every jot and every tittle from Genesis to Revelation. And this point in time was the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, the Tanakh. Speaks of me. Every prophetic utterance, he says, of Messiah speaks of me. The one who would come to crush the serpent's head. The seed of the serpent speaks of me. And he's looking into the eyes of Pilate. To this end was I born. Salvation is in me. Redemption is in me. Forgiveness is in me. Never mind all them other religions. Never mind man's mentality and intellect and philosophy. He says to me, Notice, to this end was I born, born a king to be a king of kings. And Luke 18 and 1, to this end is strange because it says, and he spake a parable unto, unto them to this end, that men ought all, all, always to pray and not to faint. And this is about the widow woman and the judge. She, she's looking help, she's no one to help. And here he's speaking of the one who comes to help. The one who will come and help his own. And he speaks of me. To this end. In Romans 14 and 9. The apostle Paul writes. To this end Christ both died and rose and revived. That he might be Lord both of the dead. And of the living. He's Lord of the dead. That means your loved ones that have died in Christ. My loved ones that have died in Christ. Should you go to the grave and die in Christ. He's still Lord of the dead. And listen, those who are alive and waiting on him coming, he's Lord of the living. You know what it's saying here? It doesn't matter whether you're in the grave or whether you're walking on planet Earth in terra firma in this cosmos world system of things. When you belong to Christ, it says, he is Lord of everything. It says, me to this end. He died. He was buried. And he rose again the third day. And for this cause came I into the world. Listen to Exodus 9 and verse 16. For this cause have I raised thee up, the Lord says to Moses, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Send that to his people. To this end, and for this cause, you know 
In other words, here, if God can show his power through a man like Moses, surely how much more can he show his power through the man like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? God, who at sundry times, in divers manners, spake in time past unto our fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Listen, you crucified him. Crucified him. Notice here in John 12 and 27, the Lord Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Brothers and sisters, the cross which had cast a shadow over the entire life and ministry of Jesus would now become a reality in the experience of Jesus. From he was a baby. Now about 33 and a half. Every day the cross was looming over. Every day the cross was shadowing over him. And now in the garden of Gethsemane he says, for this cause came I, listen, unto this hour. Trench's commentary. Trench's commentary states the very object of his incarnation, the reason of this, his coming into the world, and of his continuance to this hour, was to meet his suffering. Did you get that? Should I read that? Wow. When I read that, I went, wow. Jesus. Let me say it again. The very object of his incarnation, the reason of this, his coming into the world, and of his continuance to this hour, was to meet his suffering. What was your object, Jesus, up to this point in Gethsemane? To meet this suffering. On the cross, what was your object of coming here, Jesus, to meet this suffering. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth, and everyone that is off the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? So we always say there's two sides to every story, and you know then that means there... Is there any such thing as absolute truth? If it's not absolute truth, then it's not true. There's some truth in it, but it's not true. It's not true in its entirety. Is it truth either absolute or it's truth and it's not absolute? Pardon me, it's not truth and it's not absolute. Notice Either there is absolute truth, something that is true at all times. Notice, absolute truth is something that is true at all times and in all places. 
And then there's that which is not. To argue with a certainty that there is no such thing as absolute truth as to make an absolute truth. Someone comes and says to you, no such thing as an absolute truth. You know what they've just done? Made an absolute truth. If that be true. You want to meet absolute truth, brother? Sister, friend. You want to know the truth? All these religions in the world, which one is true? I can tell you which one is true. I can tell you which one is true. Christ is the truth. Absolute truth is the complete truth, unvarying truth, and is permanent truth. Pilate had the voices of the high priest and the Jewish crowd. He had the voice of his wife in his ear. Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him, she says. She she had an afternoon nap, and by this time, she said, don't have anything to do with him. Pilate comes. What is truth? They say, what is truth? Let me finish with this. John chapter 1 verse 14 we're told that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We're told that that same word is full of grace and truth. In John chapter 17 and verse 17 the Lord Jesus prays sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. What is the word? The word was with God and the word is God. Now I made flesh. Jesus is praying, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In John 5 and verse 33, it says, Ye sent unto John, and he bore witness of the truth. In John 8 and verse 33, he says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now notice the truth shall make you free. In John 8 and verse 36, he says, If the Son therefore shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed. So then who's the truth? The Word. Christ is the Word. The Word which was with God and is God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. He's the Word of the Father. We read coming back in Revelation 19, upon his thigh is written, the word of truth. John 14 and 6, I am the way. What is it? The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Pilate said unto him, what is truth? What is truth? Why you come? I'm come for this hour, for this cause. Do you want to know what the cause is? That he would bring the truth of salvation. That you're lost without him. That the soul without Christ will end up in a lake of fire. Do you hear that? The soul without Christ, the soul not saved, the soul that's never been to Calvary, the soul that's not washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb, the soul that has never bowed the knee, the soul that has never repented, the soul that is impenitent will find themselves burning forever and ever and ever in a lake of fire. 
there's nothing you can give for a ransom. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Because the word came in flesh. The sun hung on the tree. He says, I am the truth. How do I get saved? Truly, you must come by faith to the cross and trust in the finished work of Christ. Repent and turn to him. Repent and turn to Christ. God bless us tonight. Do you believe the king is coming? I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. I'm feeling the tug to preach more prophecy soon. But sure, you've heard a whole lot of it before. You maybe not want to hear it again, but I'm thinking of it. I'm just waiting for the right week. I'm going to show you the king is coming.